Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 722 of the Juicebox Podcast. Today's show features a return guest. Michelle was on the show back in 2016 on episode 90. She was here at that time to discuss the loss of her son, Jesse, in an episode called Jesse Was Here. A few years ago, Michelle wrote a book also called Jesse Was Here from the perspective of a grieving mother. And she's back today to catch up with us, tell us about a new book she'll have coming out pretty soon, and all the rest. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. If you have type 1 diabetes and are a U.S. resident or are the caregiver of a type 1, please go to t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox to take the survey. That's all you have to do. Join your registry, take the survey, takes fewer than 10 minutes. You're helping people with type 1 diabetes, you're supporting the show, and you're possibly helping yourself. t1dexchange.org forward slash juicebox. This episode of the Juicebox Podcast is sponsored by Dexcom, makers of the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor. Find out more about the Dexcom G6 at Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. You may be eligible for a free 10-day trial of the Dexcom G6. The episode is also sponsored today by InPen from Medtronic Diabetes. Head over to InPenToday.com to learn more about that insulin pen that talks to that app that gives you a lot of the functionality that people with an insulin pump get. All that from a pen? That's right. InPenToday.com. I am Michelle Bauer, formerly Michelle Allswager, and I am Jesse Allswager's mom. Do you remember what episode number you were on the first time? Because I can look. Oh my gosh. It was, was it 31 or 71? All right, hold on I know I looked when I re-listened to it recently. I'm going to find out right now. I have access to this information, as you would hope. Uh, yeah, I would hope so. <laughs> you were episode 90. 90. December 13th, 2016, I put that up. 2016. So not that long ago. Well, no, I guess that is six years ago. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> lots, has, lots has changed in six, six years. Has it? What has changed? Well, I think the last time I talked to you, I was working at right. Was I at riding on insulin? Yeah, riding on insulin. So I was helping with the ski, snowboard, and mountain bike camps all over the world. Mm-hmm. And um, I wanted to stay in diabetes. And um, David Edelman, who you may or may not know, who's CEO, uh, he was CEO of Diabetes Daily, yep. um, kind of took me under his wing and said, hey, do you want to sell that advertising on our website? I was like, yeah, sure. So I've been there for four years. Um, still working in diabetes, but we sold diabetes daily actually to everyday health. Mm-hmm. And so now we're just thrivable, which is fully market research. So we do, you know, all the market research for all the big med techs that, you know, um, to see what's coming, you know, down the pipeline. It's interesting. Yeah. I met David, I've met David a couple of times actually. And, um, he's, he, that's such an interesting story, right? Because didn't he start diabetes daily with his wife who was type one? He did. But he then did. they divorced and he kept the, the website going. Is that do I have that story right? 
You have it absolutely right. Yeah. I believe it was 2005 when he just wanted to put a community together. And then, you know, years later, you know, he's remarried. He's on child number three with his wife, Carrie. Wow. And um, this company has grown like by leaps and bounds since I started. So what I thought was going to be, you know, working with all the Abbots and the tandems of the world, um, selling advertising. Now I'm, I'm working with them on market research. Wow. Which is fascinating. Oh, that's pretty mm-hmm. interesting. No kidding. I, uh, I, I should have I should have been talking to you over the last six years because the way I got my advertising is just I think it's all by luck. I I, I cold like I cold emailed people in the beginning. I was like, "Hey, I have a podcast. You should buy an ad." And they got back to me, and I was like, "Oh, my numbers must be okay." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you have good numbers, I'm happy to help you with some of that thought process because I, I definitely do know yeah, a little I, about that advertising. I side. tell you, Michelle, I don't know. Uh, everything that I'm doing right now is just working by luck. <laughs> so uh, that's funny. But okay, so to catch people up, and I, and you know, it's been a long time and, and people might not know. Um, but back in, I mean, a long time ago now, I guess you you had a child who had type one diabetes, Jesse. Yes. So Jesse was diagnosed with type one diabetes when he was three back in 2000. I kind of dropped everything to just immerse myself in the world of diabetes for him. Um, You know, whether it was skiing, snowboarding, being a director of JDRF, um, you know, just kind of getting really involved. And, and then my son, when he reached 13 said, mom, stop talking about diabetes. I'm so sick of talking about it. So I went to work somewhere else for a while. And then actually on February 3rd, 2010, uh, at the age of 13 is when Jesse passed away from um, DKA. Yeah. And it's been 12 years. It's been 12 years since he passed. Yes. And how long has it been since he was diagnosed? Do you, did you say 22 years, 22 years? Wow. He would be 25 right now. Right now he would be. Yes. Okay. Oh, that's crazy. Um, I, 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 I'm just, I'm drawn to ask you if, um, telling me that or, or saying that to someone, does it, stir the same emotions as it always has, or does it morph over time? That's a great question. It depends on who I'm talking to. Um, I, you know, I've, I, you know, since I last spoke with you, you know, I've done a lot of public speaking and right before COVID hit, um, there was a, between beyond type one and JDRF, there was the talk of having me speak at the summits mm-hmm. and then COVID happened and all the chapters closed down and, you know, that went in a different direction. Um, you know, just yesterday, I went for a bike ride. I did a, a bike ride with the JDRF group. And um, there was a young girl named Kaylee who I had never met. And of course, she's like, oh, what's your connection to diabetes? And I pointed to her jersey where it says mile 23, which is a mile of silence um, that started for Jesse. That's for anyone who's lost someone to type one. And she choked up. And so when it's like that, I hate telling them because I know it brings on emotion for them because they have the disease themselves. But you know, it comes up in almost every client call I have to be candid. You know, I say, oh, I've been involved in diabetes for my adult life. And they're like, oh, how's your son now? Or how old is your son now? So you just kind of roll with it after 12 years, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have other children? I do. Um, I have. So I have a stepdaughter from a previous uh, um, marriage. She's actually 41. And then my daughter just got married. She's 28. Jesse would be 25. And then Joey, the baby is turning 22 in a couple of weeks. And I actually got married in 2018. So that's where the Bauer came in. And um, I have two really great stepkids, Claudia and Alex, who are 23 and 26. That's a big family. That's excellent. It is. Yeah. Yeah. So um, uh, children who are 
who are blood related to Jesse, there are some in there, right? Yep, two. two. He was middle. Okay. Mm-hmm. And not that this matters, but just for context, you were with Jesse's father at the time of his uh, his diagnosis or no? No. Oh, at the time of diagnosis, yes. Um, I was actually, he was, he was three and I was pregnant with my now Joey, who's turning 22. Um, I was four months pregnant and, and married to Tom. Um, when Jesse passed, we were divorced. However, um, we remained friends. And in fact, I would, I would say losing Jesse has brought us actually quite close. Wow. So we, we go, we go to his bar sometimes for happy hour, Packer games. Stuff like that. That's nice. Um, <laughs> other kids, uh, have any autoimmune dis- disorders? No. And knocking on some wood, right. They're yeah. still young. Um, but no, not, none, none have surfaced. I mean, they've been my inspiration of, you know, getting the first book written, but I'm, you know, the start of a second book for sibling grief is just starting with interviews. Okay. Yeah. So this is a book you're putting together, you're building it right now. Yeah. Yeah. To piggyback off the Jesse was here book, which is, you know, the whole uh, story of, you know, the, the first year of grief and then at five years and 10 years of what that looks like, the real feelings, you know, and I just, I just realized with all these parents that I've connected with, you know, I, I know about their kids and the struggles that they have. And so um, I've been putting together a list and um, I have about 25 um, people who lost a sibling, whether they lost them, you know, when they were nine years old, or maybe they were an adult and lost their sibling, just, just, you know, kind of how they feel and how they managed and questions that might've come up for them over the years. Do you find that grief that stems from loss is any different than grief that comes from other things? Like, you know, be just being diagnosed, for example, like, do they, do they share traits? Yeah, that's a great question, too. Um, you know, uh, in my book, I actually talk about it. Like, I, when the day Jesse was diagnosed, um, I thought it was the worst day of my life, right? Like, and so I can relate to any parent who's getting a newly diagnosed child. I know it's the worst day of their life. I can tell you the day of loss and the 12 years that follow don't compare. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's such a black hole. And hard to explain, nor do I want to anyone to understand it, because who wants them in their shoes, right? Like, right. one of my very good friends just um, in November lost her son, Cade, to a um, fentanyl poisoning. Um, and, you know, she called me up and said, I'm in your shoes. I had no idea what it's like to really stand in your shoes, you know? And now she does, unfortunately. So it's definitely different. Yeah. Now, I, I just interviewed a woman recently who lost her son to heroin. And, um, and other addictions. And it's just, um, I I find it to be an unfathomable discussion. Like, I don't know how to even, I don't even know how to relate. I just, all I can do is ask questions that pop up because, you know, you know, usually in the, in the course of one of these conversations, I'll, I'll end up saying like, oh, like something similar like that happened to me. And you kind of try to find a, uh, you know, a, a level ground where you can talk through things, but this is just one that's, you know, it's, it's out on the edge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the whole common ground, you know, like, we all kind of say the same things about like, like, I talk about it in my book about things not to say I have a chapter called I don't care that your cat died. Um, And it's just about all the like, kind of weird things people said to me over the years, you know, like my cat had diabetes, I was like, great, that has nothing to do with my son. Um, But in the end, what my the information I give back to people is, we know that you don't say it to be weird, you're probably just fishing for anything possible to relate to your point. So, you know, it, we're forgiving on it, but um, yeah, sometimes just saying, I don't know what to say is a really good thing to say. Yeah. That's what I find. I, 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 I have to, I've actually come down to just like, I go, well, that sucks because I don't, 
you know, like, what, what could I say that would bring you any kind of comfort? So it begs the question then, what does bring comfort at that point? Because what, what stops you from, I mean, everybody listening who has no context is thinking, I couldn't do that. That would destroy me, et cetera. But here you are and you're not destroyed. So what are the steps you took to avoid this being the end of your, of the end of you as well? Yeah. Also a really great question, Scott. Um, you know, it's, it's one day at a time. It's ebb and flow. It's everything you kind of hear people say about grief that you got to, you, you don't have a choice. You're still going to wake up tomorrow. Right. Mm-hmm. And I, I would say for me in the early days, it was my kids, right? Like I had two other kids that I had to put on a face and, and, you know, be okay for them and with them. Um, you know, this is kind of how it goes, you know, and then I, I say in my book, um, that I was never going to take another family photo. I was never going to send a Christmas card just because my family wasn't intact, right? Like never would it be intact. And I said that at maybe year one and said it again at year four in the book. And then, you know, flash forward 2018, uh, the day I got married, you know, we took our first family photo and here we are, you know, 12 years later. And I'm pondering that this year might be the year to put out a Christmas card. No. So you, just you, you, time. You ha- time. And you have to allow yourself joy. And I think, you know, um, the group we put together at Beyond Type One, um, back when Sarah Lucas was CEO, and then Tom, um, we, we put together Jesse was here. And there's another place I find a lot of comfort is it's all these other parents who've lost a child to type one that can kind of commiserate or talk about happy moments or, you know, how, how they're managing their guilt on that day, maybe. You know, since you brought them up, let me ask you. So I have a tiny bit of knowledge here, not very much. So Tom passed away unexpectedly. Were you working together when that happened? Yeah, Tom and I were very close friends, actually. So um, that- Tom and I had a habit of, um, you know, when something got controversial, he'd say, you got a minute. And um, then we'd get on the phone and have a virtual happy hour and just vent for, you know, an hour and, and have some fun. Um yeah, he was only 33. Um, he passed away uh, in his hotel room in uh, at, when he was working yeah. in New York. And I don't have any information. I wish I had information, but I don't know what happened. So I didn't ask you to ask about him. I asked to ask you, what's it like when you experience a loss again? Oh, I got you. Yeah, yeah, I got yeah. you. Yeah, yeah. yeah, well, I mean, that is a great question. Um, it was probably the closest person I lost since Jesse, you know, that I spent a lot of time with. Um, yeah, it brings a lot to the surface, a lot of why. And, you know, yeah, I mean, when they're close to you, it, it, it hurts. Um, but yet, you know, my parent loss, I know this is going to sound really weird, but like it was, I think, more doable because I had already lost Jesse. Like I already lost a child. So like I kind of know the depth of pain, at least that was chronological. Mm-hmm. And maybe with Tom, it just hurt because he was so young, right? Yeah. Well, it's, it's it's such an interesting like to keep talking for about this for a second. Sarah, I interviewed once. I, and to say I know her would be a fallacy, but I mean, I I talked to her for an hour once, and then she had significant health issues, and that sh- like listen, th- you know, for for a couple of hours to a few days, but I was rocked by that a little bit just because I had met her, and it seemed out of the blue, and she was young, etc., and it it impacted my life for a couple of days, not nearly the way it would you or somebody who knew her well, but that's what made me ask is because I I'm at best tangentially related to this person. 
I hear that news and it's shocking to me. And I was just wondering if, um, you know, if you had similar experiences just around death in general. I can tell you what happens to me with death in general. You know, when, when Sarah Lucas, you know, after her brain aneurysm and her retirement from beyond type one, she lost her husband, Don suddenly. And it's like my first instinct to anybody is I, I wrote a book. Um, it's about grief. Can I send you a copy of my book? It's just like a knee jerk reaction that I have with everybody. Like, you know, we have a house, um, like a cabin up on a lake and we spend a lot of time there. And it's funny because this little bar has copies of my book on the shelf behind the bar because I'll get to talking to somebody and they're like, oh, I just lost my wife and this happened. And the bartender will come forward and go, here's a book. Mm. <laughs> because wow. that's I can't help myself. Like I just, I just it's my goal was just to help other people through their pain and know they're not the only ones that feel everything they're feeling. So now I feel like I've, for the first time have an experience that's commiserate to yours because when I feel, when I hear people talking about their struggles with diabetes, I'll say to them, like, I have this collection of episodes that will help you. Like, I know, I know in my heart that it will help you, or at least they have a really great chance of helping. And it feels like a compulsion to explain it, to, to share it with them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's just that's that's been my reaction ever since he passed. Is just like, how can I help people with my experience? Right, right. No, that's that's really something. Um, okay, hold on. Uh, I I got over. I had a tiny bit overwhelmed. Michelle, give me a half a second. I, in fairness, the people listening know this. I have sometimes trouble with my iron levels. It's a little low right now, so I'm closer to crying than I usually would be in this situation. <laughs> so give me a half a second. Um, Anyway, I'm I'm getting an iron infusion next week and I'll be okay again. Oh, <laughs> but um, but it's uh it's funny when when it dips down, I go like in two different directions. Like you can either make me angry quick uh, more quickly for no reason, <laughs> or I get a little weepy if something sad comes up. So uh, the whole day getting ready to talk to you, I thought, I hope I'm okay. <laughs> like I hope I don't like act like just in a way that isn't appropriate. But I'm okay. I'm doing all right. Um, well, you won't be the first person I made cry this week. So, hey, that's better. I gotta tell you something, Michelle. That's usually my line, just so you know. (laughs) (laughs) So, I've been making ladies on the internet cry for years, um, right? But but about diabetes and some guys. Uh, so you, so your first book has been out for quite some time, right? Am I right? Yeah, it it was slated to publish in April of 2020, and as you and I both know, that's when COVID smacked everybody mm-hmm. but we the idea was jdrf was going to have me on and you know, like i said and and i'm um, going to be able to go into libraries and and do book talks and grief groups and things like that which obviously we just continued to release it and and get it out there but yeah um it just went into another revision um which just got loaded up on amazon and now we have an ebook oh cool so and yeah i'm looking at it now just it's oh that's oh that's interesting so it came out kind of 2020 but you did the revision more recently because I see the the date on the Kindle is is newer. Yeah, and oh, it's still in the process of changing over the book cover. We changed the book cover um, because it, you know right now it, it you know it's a picture it's a real picture of my son with his thumbs up walking away. It was a last family vacation. It felt really appropriate for the book, but we kind of felt my publisher felt well maybe pe- only people who have a child with diabetes are reading it or maybe people who lost a teenager think it's relevant because of the cover so we changed it to be a little bit more general because the the notes I get from people like on LinkedIn people who've picked up the book and read it I mean it's not just people who've lost you know a teenage boy it's it's 
someone who kept miscarrying or somebody who lost a child at age one or, you know, someone who lost a sibling, it's really been interesting. So we just wanted it to feel more like this isn't just a story about what it feels like to lose a teenage boy. You know, I know that other people benefit. Let's talk about the Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor for a moment, shall we? Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Classic spelling on juice box, all one word. The Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor. Listen, I don't need this website. My daughter's been using a Dexcom, oh gosh, for a really, really long time. I said, oh gosh, because I can't I can't even think of a, a, a time when she didn't have it anymore. It's how long it's been. I've picked up my phone, by the way. And I'm going to tell you a little story about how we use Dexcom in just the past two hours. So Arden left a lunch today. She went out to lunch. She came back and her blood sugar was a little high, around 150. But she wanted a piece of cheesecake. We made a, a cheesecake here at the house. Actually, Arden and I made it. It actually came out really good. We were really proud of ourselves. That has nothing to do with the Dexcom ad. Nevertheless, we needed to bolus for this cheesecake in a way that would not let a high blood sugar happen later. But you've got this 150-ish blood sugar, and what are you supposed to do, right? Well, here's what we did. We made a bolus for the cheesecake that also incorporated a correction for the 150. All right, now these are our results, and yours may vary. But we watched the Dexcom as her blood sugar decreased. And then when we got to right where we thought was the right spot, which by the way, for us in this scenario was 117 diagonal down because yes, the Dexcom shows you not just the direction, but the speed it's falling in. So that diagonal arrow tells you something about the speed, but I digress. We cut the cheesecake, served it up, and it is now, uh, let me, I'll give you an exact number. I can look right on the graph. It is now... Let's see, that happened at 4.20, and it is 5.47 now. So what was that, like an hour and 15 minutes ago, right? Guess Arden's blood sugar right now. And the cheesecake has long been eaten since now. Blood sugar is 78. That is an example of how we used the speed and direction and number that Dexcom gives us to make a good bolus. And there are many other examples and ways that I'm sure you will find to use Dexcom for you. Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. When you get there, if you try to leave the webpage, it might say to you, are you interested in a free Dexcom G6 sample? Well, if it says that, just click on request a sample. It's that easy. The InPen from Medtronic Diabetes is a reusable smart pen that uses Bluetooth technology to send dose information to a mobile app. That mobile app will be on your cellular device. Do people even say that anymore? Cellular device? Don't they just say phone at this point. Anyway, not the point. Anyway, here we go. Uh, <laughs> and back to it. When you have the impen, it's going to help take some of the mental math out of your diabetes management by offering dose calculations and tracking. The impen from Medtronic Diabetes is an insulin pen. It's everything you expect from an insulin pen. But then that app, it gives you current glucose values, meal history, dose history, and activity log reports glucose history, active insulin remaining, and a dosing calculator. If you're ready to try it, just scroll down at inpentoday.com and fill out the very short form and hit submit. If you want to know more, continue to scroll. 
and learn more about the InPen. Head over today because some people may be eligible to get the InPen for as little as $35. InPenToday.com InPen requires prescription and settings from your healthcare provider. You must use proper settings and follow the instructions as directed, where you could experience high or low blood glucose levels. For more safety information, visit InPenToday.com. I had so such a similar experience. Um, I wrote a book a long time ago now, and it was about being a stay-at-home dad. But there's a chapter or two towards the end that's about Arden's diabetes. But the book is far and away, 95% has nothing to do with type 1. And when I hear from people who have some sort of a connection to type 1 who have read it, they feel like the book's about diabetes. It's, oh, that's funny. It, it's, it's so interesting. And then people who don't have a connection to diabetes are like, oh, I, it was interesting to learn something about diabetes at the end of the book. It's, 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 it's very interesting to see what people connect with, I guess, and, and then therefore how they interpret it. And I, so I take your point. So, yeah, I mean, something that you made me think of that I think is pretty great about 2022, there's not a lot that's great about 2022, but um, is that people's resources are so much better than even when Jesse passed in 2010, as far as me connecting with other people who, who shared what happened to me. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, I lost my son to type 1 diabetes. I think it helps me so much that I have these people that lost their child to type one. So it's very relevant. Whereas I may not feel as connected to someone who had a miscarriage or someone who lost their child to suicide. Right. So now we have this ability to talk to people who truly are sharing the exact grief we have. Yeah. Now it's, um, the podcast has taught me that honestly, because prior to the podcast in 2015, I would write something online and get a couple of notes. And people are like, oh, your blog really helps me, or I found this interesting or helpful, thank you, like that kind of thing. I now, no over-exaggeration, I hear from 10 to 15 people a day now. So just the ability to share information in a different way has opened up. And, you know, like you're saying, in this time where everybody kind of got stuck in their house for a second, even the people who were probably not using the internet so much were like, well, let me see if I can't see more of the world here since I'm stuck in my bedroom or wherever I am. Um, you know what I mean? I just think it's, yeah. um, it, it's, it, it's, and it's really valuable. Like I getting, you know, you can have this book and if you can't get it to people, it, it doesn't exist really. You know what I mean? You have to be yeah. able to, to put it in their hands. So um, who would you say it's for the book? The book? Yeah. I think it's anyone who's experiencing some kind of grief or anyone who wants to help someone through their grief. I think like I've heard from a lot of people who's like maybe their friend's child died. They read the book and it helped them kind of see inside their heads. Um, I think, I think, like I said, like, you know, I, I know people who stayed at my cabin, like, you know, we rent out our cabin and you know she's a newscaster and she had a lot of um, miscarriages and she just happened to pick up the book and read it. And she was like, I had no idea I had not dealt with my grief completely. She's like, I sobbed through your whole book. She's like, I just nodded and was like, that's so helpful. Like someone else felt my pain. Right. So I think it's anyone who needs closure to their grief and just needs, you know, to feel like to nod with somebody. Right. And say, yeah, I was in target and I saw a cute little four-year-old boy in a cart and it made me mad because he looked just like my son and I miss my son and it's life's unfair that you get to keep a son. Right. So, you know, anybody who's experiencing grief, I know people who just lost a parent, like 
it's always, I try to explain it, that it's always as good as like your worst loss. Meaning if the worst thing you've ever lost in your life is a cat, right? That's the only loss. You don't know any other kind of pain of grief, right? right. And then maybe you lose your parents. That seems like the most painful, right? Yeah. So it can be anybody's grief, even a pet. It's it's why I tell people that you can't you can't judge your thing against other people's stuff because the worst thing that's ever happened to you is the worst thing that's ever happened to you. So right. you know you can't say, well, you know, uh, I have diabetes that's worse than this, or you know, I have diabetes that's better than that because it's you know the next person might. I was interviewing somebody recently and their lives were just going along like nothing was wrong. You know what I mean? Like things were going the way they expected and health was all great. And then all of a sudden a thing happens and it's a tragedy to them because their their level of expectation was different. And, you know, is it fair or not fair? Like, I don't know. That seems kind of arbitrary, you know, to to say that I mean it would be nice if everybody got the same level of happiness and and fulfillment, but I mean that's seems kind of unreasonable. Um but but I yeah, I, I just again I just really take your point that it's um I don't know. Like it, it's it's not a thing you can put yourself in your shoes, but it is nice of you to be able to look up and understand. Like this is, you know, like, yeah. you know the example of the cat. Like if it's you know if you're 25 years old and your cat died and it's the first thing you've lost, it's it's pretty crazy. It's a major loss to you. Yeah, yeah. It's funny too because you know most of most of the reviews I got on Amazon were you know the five star and and really good nice write ups and the the people who complained were the ones that were like, oh, I have a child with type one. And she doesn't tell me exactly what happened to him. And then gives me a lower rating. I was like, well, the book wasn't about you finding out how exactly my son died. Even though I have a chapter, um, you know, a lot of people ask me exactly what happened. And I don't normally share it because I try to explain. I don't want to go through that day again, ever. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want to relive that in my mind. I did it just in reviewing my book, like 10 times during revision. And told my publisher, Dan, I'm like, I don't ever want to read that chapter again. Yeah. Right. Like. I'm done with that chapter of my life and I, it's not worth revisiting. And so I always say to people when they say, well, what happened? I'm like, well, you're welcome to buy the book. But <laughs> I, I, read I, it. I'm not saying it again. Yeah. You know, it's <laughs> funny through my experiences with people, my expectation there is that they want to reverse engineer your experience to stop it from happening to them. That's what they, yeah, they want to hear that I did something wrong because that will make them feel like it's not possible. Yeah. So, you know, I, Excellent, Michelle. I, since you said it out loud, um, they yep. they want to know you did something wrong so that they can have the belief that as long as they don't do something wrong, it'll be okay. It, it's yeah, like I kind mean, of false comfort you try to give yourself when your kid has diabetes is using insulin. I mean, there's two things I've noticed the most about having that is maybe something worth listeners hearing that have kids with type one is number one is DKA is worse than going low in a lot of ways because people let their kids rock a 600 blood sugar and let them eat or drink a root beer. And I sit there and cringe and I'm like, your A1C is going up and going up and going up. And then when something bad happens, it's going to happen real fast. Mm -hmm. So I've been doing a lot of education on DKA because a great number of the parents that are finding me at Jesse was here at the Facebook group are losing their college age kids to DKA. That's what I'm seeing more of Right. the positive and, you know, granted, I'm not a survey taker on the Facebook thing, but we're seeing less and less of people losing their kids at onset. 
which I applaud. It means we're getting the word out of warning signs and doctors know the warning signs. Otherwise I'd be seeing a lot more people coming through our door and it's less and less of those people. That's, that is good to hear. It really is. I, um, I, that's something. So kids go away to college. They either don't know how to manage themselves or decide not to, and their blood sugars rise and rise and rise. And then they, then the DKA comes. Yeah. I mean, it's that burnout, right? 10 year mark for a lot of people is a burnout. You know, you know, we got to put our mental health first for some of these kids that, you know, they got, you know, it helps them to, to deal with it. I mean, I know people whose kids are, you know, for three weeks, not taking insulin and not testing just because they want to feel normal and they're at college. So the parents don't know what they're doing or not doing. Uh, I mean, luckily now there's CGMs, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it's these college kids or these college kids that do die from DKA. Um, they don't tell their roommates they have type one diabetes oh. and it's a hidden, it's a hidden thing. So when they're acting funny or being weird, they're not, they're not saying, Hey man, you got to call your parents or, Hey, you got to get to the hospital. They just think they have the flu or something. Right. Yeah. So that idea of I'll hide it, nobody will know. And I'll get through this. It's all, I mean, whether it's not taking your insulin or not telling somebody about it in that scenario, it's all a function of just trying to pretend it doesn't exist. Yeah. yeah it is not yeah. something you can pretend uh, away. That's for sure. And, and the other thing I find fascinating, even in like, you know, my current group of friends, I, you know, I'm very proud that I still stuck with all my type one world friends and um, ketones. I am flabbergasted at the number of adult friends I have that never test for ketones. So we tried and, to, we try to like lay that out in the podcast the best we can. Cause there's, there's a couple of different ways to think about it. Like if you're eating low carb, like you're eating a certain lifestyle, you might see ketones in your diet, like or in yourself, no matter what. Right. But ketones from not using insulin, that's different. And the one thing I find that confuses people a lot is that they don't think you could have ketones at an in range number. Which, which you absolutely ketones can exist whenever there's not insulin present. So if you're, I don't know, sick and your blood sugar won't go up and you're afraid, well, of you know, I'm going to get too low, so I'm going to shut my insulin off here, and your blood sugar hangs in the 80s or the 90s, you think, oh, this is great. It's not great. You could still develop DK very quickly too because you've you've taken the insulin away. Hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, well said. Mm-hmm. Well, I do my best to tell people, and uh, it, it's a uh, it's an uphill battle sometimes because it is uh, it is one of those things. Like the the alternative is, you know, if you spike once to two hundred and come back down in an hour and a half, you probably don't have to check your ketones. And so you're trying to keep a balance between, you know, being aware and vigilant, and not being so hyper vigilant that you're, you know, busy making yourself crazy in times when it isn't necessary. It's a it's a balancing act. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. And, you know, I mean, um, I have a friend who uh, competes as a skier and she would go over to Austria and I kind of was her like diabetes mom to keep her motivated. And, you know, I'm like, she's like, I'm throwing up, I'm sick, but I'm in Austria. I don't want to go to the hospital. And I'm like, Lauren, you're rocking, you know, some pretty, pretty high ketones. As much as you don't want to be at the hospital, you need to be around, around the right equipment. Yeah. Right. So yeah, yeah. Sometimes you just have to stop and do the right thing. It sucks, and you know, I listen. I I went and got a blood test this morning before I talked to you because I'm like, I know where I'm at. I know what I have to do. If I don't have this level reading, the doctor's not going to help me. It's going to take some days to put into pra- into into motion. Like, let me just go do this thing. And um, it's important to put yourself first and or the people you're helping. And um, 
I guess where it, I guess where people, I mean, again, you're telling the story about the skier. It feels a lot like the idea of people who go away to school who are just like, like, let me just push this on the back burner. I just want to pretend it doesn't exist. You know, no, no, I, I understand. Um, let me just switch gears for a second. So you said you were at Diabetes Daily, which then eventually became, which got sold, and then the business moved to Thrivable. Is that right? Yeah, that's always been somewhat the parent company is Thrivable. Okay. So we just got rid of the website, part of what we do. So now we're a panel of, I mean, as far as it relates to diabetes, we have um, over 50,000 people living with type 1 and type 2 diabetes in the U.S. Mm-hmm. on our panel doing surveys and interviews for every company you can think of. So, um, it's been, it's been a ride. Like it's, it's a lot of fun. So when a company is thinking of making a new thing or changing something or adding a feature and they want to hear from people who have diabetes, they can send you a survey that you can then send out to the people who are in your group. Yeah. So, um, that's exactly what happens is a, a company will reach out to us and say, Hey, we, we have needs for the coming year. And maybe I, I work with marketing teams that are trying to figure out how to get the messaging right. I work with the products where, you know, maybe they send the product to, to the person and they get to test it for two weeks or like think of a telehealth app. Maybe they download the telehealth app and then they give feedback over an interview and say, how did you like it? Did you find it easy? Did you know, what didn't you like? And so those are the product managers. And then there's the ones that are bringing product. Um, you know, it hasn't come to market yet. Right. Like, you know, maybe it's a new wearable, you know, mm-hmm. that right now is in France, but it's coming to the U.S. So they just hit me up if they want some surveys done um, in diabetes. We actually do mental health in a few other areas now. But but yeah, that's what we're doing. That's interesting. It's uh, uh, people who listen to the podcast also are people who run these companies. So I thought I would just like, you know, let you say it there for a second. Uh, that's, that's very <laughs> I cool. appreciate it. I, it's such Listen, I you're a friend of the show and Dave is uh I, I feel very warmly about Dave over the years. So absolutely. Well, and you know, do you know who we scored uh, May first to work with our company? No, because you'll Manny Hernandez. Oh, Manny! I love Manny. <laughs> no kidding. When we, yeah, so we have Manny. He he is the person that's in charge of all of our partnerships, and then doing like finding more panelists, right, and getting good relationships with like ADA, you know, ADA and things like that, mm-hmm. um, so that we find the right populations to ask. Manny basically put together what I think of as the probably the first big online community for diabetes that doesn't exist. Does it not exist anymore? So diabetes hands foundation. And I believe you're probably thinking also of two diabetes. Right. Um, they did it. What happened was when Tom sure was at beyond type one, he worked with Manny to bring it on board to beyond type. Uh, well, beyond type one, it's now called beyond type two. Ah, uh, they blended it th- with that. I see. Yes, and all the Spanish, um, um, all of Beyond Type One and Beyond Type Two is also in a lot of languages, but a, a big Spanish population as mm, well. Yeah, no, I get contacted constantly about translating some of the series in the podcast. <laughs> I just can't figure out how to accomplish it. So, I well, I can. I just don't have the money for it. But I need two voice. <laughs> I basically need two voice actors to sit, listen to stuff, and then you know, speak it as it's happening and. I, I just don't know how to get it together, I, I guess, is my uh, is, is my yeah. problem. But uh, but uh, t- to say that I hear about it a number of times a month from somebody is not an over-exaggeration. Like, please, can you please translate this into Spanish? So um, I feel the same way about that. We didn't do an ebook at first. We, we finally put the ebook out, and I'm getting so many thanks for that. Yeah. But same thing, Scott, like doing the – we've got to find a voice actor to do, to do, like, what do you call it, books on audio. 
we haven't done audio yet. Yeah, that's um, it's just it's just I looked a little bit at cost. I keep saying like somebody should sponsor it. You know, like the, wouldn't you want to be the ones who sponsor the Spanish content? I say it and I say it and I, I keep waiting for somebody to spring forward. But hopefully one day someone will. Which is why I keep yeah. talking about it. So hoping <laughs> hoping someone will hear me. Um, that's interesting. Okay. So oh, and Manny did me. A long time ago, when I was trying to figure out what direction to move the blog in, Manny, um, he really gave me a lot of good advice. Um, he's such a sweet guy. He really is. Um, I'm sure he'll listen to the podcast. Oh, well. Hi, Manny. How are you? It's nice to <laughs> should come on. Um, yeah, I mean, that's a that's an interesting story about what he started and what it grew into and how he, I mean, he left it. It got melded back together. Like, that whole thing is... Uh, People don't people don't know the effort that goes into you having a board, you know, a web space where you can go and talk to other people with diabetes. It's uh, yep. a lot, yep. lot more effort than you might think. Uh, Michelle, is there anything we're not talking about that we should be talking about? No, I don't think so. Um, I mean, the main thing was the grief book. Jesse was here. And if there's anyone listening that knows somebody who's lost anyone to type one, because we do actually have it for spouses and um siblings and such um at beyond type one that jesse was here um and then look for the new sibling book that will should be out within the year you're gonna have your next book will be out in about a year you think i think so nice. yeah writing a book is it's so much work i i just people say to me are you gonna write another book i was like ah it's a lot easier to make a podcast though <laughs> i said maybe when the podcast is over i'll write one more but it's just a lot of effort and uh I I think for me, it comes down to like, I look at my two birth kids, Samantha and Joey, and, you know, I dedicated my first book to them, like for giving me a reason to tie my shoes in the morning, you know, that was my dedication. And then there's so much I don't know that's gone through their heads, right? Like, did I do things right? Did I, did I neglect them? Because all I talk about is Jesse. And so I'm really wanting to dig into those siblings brains, doing it for them, you know, to get this second book. So it's really their stories coming together mm -hmm. uh, in this next one. Um, about, you know, I named it tentatively, but I'm still here, um, you know, like dealing with the kids that are left behind and and doing right by them. And so that's interesting, right? Because those siblings have, there's a duality going on, right? They lost a, a sibling, but then they lose a parent, but the parent is is looking them in the face still. And, and that must feel like you're almost purposefully ignoring them, even though obviously you're going through a uh, a situation that you just can't break free of at the moment. So is that, does that feel yeah. like abandonment? Yeah, you like for sure. Uh, I mean, I, both of my kids would tell you that they've had lots of apologies from me. I'm like, man, I, I wasn't with it for those first five years. Like I did my best. I got you to school. I fed you, you know, but I probably dropped some things I wouldn't have dropped. Like, was it that important for him to go, you know, for Joey to play baseball at little league? Eh, you know, I just didn't push in those directions, but we're all really close. Um, they're, they're so close. You know, we worried when Jesse passed that, you know, there's eight years between Samantha and Joey. I'm like, how are they going to bond? Right? Like there's the, the middle kids not there. And flash forward, um, my son, you know, pays rent and lives with my daughter. So, hmm. so Joey would have been three, nine. Th yeah, he, nine. He was three years younger than, than Jesse. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he was nine when, and, and he's turning 22. So you're saying, using him as an example, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, you're pretty checked out for him? Pretty checked out. That's how I remember it. I don't really know how he remembers it because that goes into the other topic, which is 
everybody grieves differently, which is a very true statement, which means I'm grieving the way I grieve, which is I'm very vocal. The more I talk about it, he's still here. He's still, you know, his life purpose, right? Where Joey never talks about how he felt through it all. Okay. You know, he talks to me about other things and he's doing, he's very healthy, but, but we don't talk about those that day or those years where my daughter will talk about it. But my daughter, you know, when I was publishing a book, she's like, well, I'm never going to read it. You know, she's like, I lived it. I don't need to read all that terrible yeah. time. Um, and then all of her friends bought copies and she's like, oh, I'm going to have to read it now. <laughs> so, Can I ask you a difficult question? Sure. Did you ever consider ending your own life after he died? No. That never popped in your head? No, and I'll say it differently. What okay. pops in your head is this utter black hole of pain. I don't know how else to say it, that it's, you don't want to die. You don't want to wait to have to see them. Okay. I don't know if that makes sense to you is it's like, I said it early on when it first happened, I no longer feared death. Like I could die tomorrow and I, I wouldn't care. Like I didn't have the will, like a will to live, like really, really interested in if someone would have told me in 12 years, Michelle, you're going to be happily married you're going to have a beautiful cabin and all this fun and, you know, great mm -hmm. kids in your life. Right. Um, but I, flash forward, you know, it, it's very different. Like, like I'm glad I'm here, I guess is how I would say it. Okay. I could tell any parent is you'll be glad you stayed. Right. Okay. I understand. Um, yeah. I just, because you hear people say that's a knee jerk thing. People say when they hear about somebody losing a child, they're like, Oh, I, I couldn't go on like that kind of thing. Um, Every parent would say, I have no other choice. Right. Gotcha. Um, but it doesn't mean the, the pain you're talking about. It, it, is it, um, is it omnipresent? Is it like a headache or does it come and go? Are there, do you wake up in the morning and not remember he's gone for a few moments? Like, does that kind of stuff happen? The true statement is it never, it never hurts less. It hurts less often. So, you know, like I was telling my husband the other day, I had, I bet you had 10 dreams about Jesse in one night, but then I'll go six months without one. But the reality is set in so much to me where I used to have the dream and I'd wake up and go, oh man, right. Mm -hmm. He's, he's gone. But now my brain is so trained, like even during a dream where I'm seeing him and talking to him and in my dreams, it's always me trying to find the insulin and trying to find test strips because it's been 12 years and I got to get him to an endo but they're going to be like, well, where the hell has he been for 12 years? And then in my dream, I stop myself and go, this isn't real. He's oh, dead. Wow. That okay. truly comes to me in my dreams as that. So I don't know how to explain it better or worse. It just is. Right. No, no, I, 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 um, that's the closest you came to making me cry that time. So just that's a, don't be sorry. Um, I, because I'm going to tell you right now, like I'm a person who connects like that. Like, I think things through ahead of time. And, you know, when I was a little kid, I remember like thinking through, like, what would I do if my parents died? And I don't, and I don't do it constantly. I, you know, I, I did it that one time, but it, the way it's kind of morphed as I've gotten older is sometimes I look back and I remember things that way. And like, Oh, I don't know. I think of the day that, you know, Cole got accepted on his first like all-star team when he was like four years old, five years old, something like that. Um, actually it was six, excuse me. And, um, I remember taking him to a baseball field 
where he was going to look for a, a, a list that was supposed to be hung up on a bulletin board. And he was super excited. And I, it was a long walk from the car. And then we got to the list and he, in his excitement, didn't see his name on the list. And he turned around and you could see him like he was, he was rejected, but he was trying to, he was trying to be happy. Like he was trying to act like it was not a big deal, but I had already seen his name on the list. And he turned around. He's like, I didn't make it, but he was trying to smile through it. And, and I turned him back around and had him look again. And I remember the excitement on his face. And I'm telling you right now, it doesn't matter where I am. I can put myself in that car, take that walk down that path and experience that entire thing every time. And it used to be a happy feeling. And as he gets older, it's starting to become a sad feeling for me. And I just think, I just think that's because he's, he's not a little boy anymore, you know? And, um, and I just, I know, I imagine Michelle, that if I was in your position, I'd have a hard time not doing that because I think I would be one of those people who would run myself through scenarios and I'm not certain if that would be good or bad. So I, you know, whatever you think is the worst possible, like whatever you can drum up in your mind of what it would feel like to lose your child. I can tell you it doesn't come close, nor would I want you to ever feel what it feels like. Mm -hmm. Um, The word I hear the most and I've used is it's a, it's, it's a, it's terror. The moments are, it's just terror. And um, you don't wish that on anybody. Right. And, and um, so I make a point of, I don't put, sad scenarios for my other kids. I can't think that way. They know that. I always tell them like, you have to call me more often than the normal mother because (laughs) I need to know that you're breathing over there. Um, If I don't hear from you for four days, I'm going to worry. So, you know, they know that. Um, (laughs) Do they let you, do they let you, do you, you've tracked them on find my iPhone so you can see where they are? I don't, but I will say I probably Snapchat with my daughter every single day. And, and knowing that my son lives with her, I'm okay. (laughs) So this is, this will sound, I don't know how this will sound. I don't actually care how it sounds, but, um, you know, on the find my iPhone app on iPhone, like my whole family is on there, even like my brother. And there's kind of a widget on my screen where it pops up and like everybody's little icons pop up and underneath of it, it tells you kind of where they are. And there's something incredibly comforting to me to watch people move around and like, I don't, I guess it's because I, that means they're alive. Right. Like, yeah. yeah. And, and, um, anyway, it's, uh, I mean, my brother's, my, bro- let me. my brother's they 45, probably- Michelle, you know what I mean? And like, yeah. I'm like, I see him at work. I see him at home. I see him by the lake and it just makes me happy to think that he's out there doing that. It's yeah. I mean, my kids, when they were younger too, like, you know, if they didn't answer a text right away or answer a phone call, I used to like lose my brain and try to explain to them why I'm irrational. But my daughter, actually, a quick story is she, when she was younger, but she was driving, she took Joey to Target just to go shopping, something to do. And I'm like, okay, fine. And I'm driving and I'm probably a mile from Target. My daughter calls me and she's in sheer panic. She can't find Joey. They've said his name over the loudspeaker. He's not coming to where he needs to be. And I'm in like, I'm losing my mind. So I'm like, okay, I'm a mile away. I'm coming, you know, I'm coming, I'm coming. And every bad thing is going through my head. And I could tell it was, it was happening for her too, where she used to think I was being irrational, but then it was real for her yeah. too. And so to make it worse, I'm like, okay, I'm a mile away. And she said, mom, I'm not at that target. I'm at the one on the other side of town. 
<laughs> and then I became crazy mom that was like, you put them on the phone right now. And I'm screaming at customer service and saying, you need to put an alert, act as if he's been taken. I'm like calling his name over the loudspeakers and doing it and do it now. And then I remember saying something like, I've already lost one son. I can't lose another one. And I remember saying it to this customer service lady. Of course, my son was playing video games, yeah. you know, right. <laughs> you know? Lady, not listening to his name. This lady's, lady's at the front of the Target running the running the, the loudspeaker. And she's like, I don't make enough for this. This is. A, yeah, yeah, right. Oh, my God. Mom screaming like, I can't lose another job. But it's interesting. It is interesting, yeah. though, like because I'm drawing a parallel in my head about diabetes, because when you, you know, try to tell your kid, like, look, it's important you know, I need you to test or I need to know or you need to know or somebody needs to be looking. And they're like, whatever, it's fine. You're like, no, you don't see the bigger picture. You don't understand what could happen. You have, to me, Michelle, you have what I would consider to be the ultimate perspective. Yeah. yeah. that That's all. You, your perspective is just, uh, and, you know, I, I kind of talk about it sometimes the way you talk about understanding grief, which is you have a level of perspective I don't wish on somebody. But, exactly. But, um but we should take your we should take your opinion seriously because you you see a you see an aspect to life that that others don't get to see so yeah anyway. but i i stick with my you know anyone that i meet who has type 1 or their kid was just diagnosed i'm like you got to let your kids live their best life like there's nothing i can tell you that happened to Jesse that i would do differently as right. far as living life and you know getting out there and doing what you can yeah i i'm i'm always um you know, as time passes me, it, it, I I lose what episode it was, and I can try to look real quickly. But I had a mom on once who lost her son in college, and she just said something during the conversation about she would have rather him have twenty one great years than forty so so years, or something to that effect. And um, I've always always tried to hold on to what she said because I thought it was brave of her to say after he was gone. Because that Lindell. Was that Will Halver's mom? Yes, Will Halver's mom. That's exactly who it was. And yeah. um, I just find that to be, uh, that that is a helpful statement for me as I've raised my kids. That, you know, yeah. we don't want something bad to happen, but we also don't want to get to the end and realize we've lived half a life trying to make sure we get longevity. Um, there seems to be a balance in there to me. Yeah, I actually got to... Uh, meet Lindell uh, face to face. We were both doing uh, a JDRF bike ride in Amelia Island a few years back, mm -hmm. which was which was great to experience with her. Yeah, she was. Uh, she really she made a big impression on me early on when I was making the podcast. So yeah. I've, I've always really I've never I don't know if I've ever told her, but I've I've always appreciated. She was on the nineteenth episode of the show. I mean, you keep dropping all these names. I'm going to end up tagging all these people. <laughs> Do you think I'm just bringing up people to try to like? <laughs> get you to uh, share the podcast with more people <laughs> <laughs> no i'm still in contact with lindahl so um i hear from yeah. her quite a bit she still posts a lot about will no kidding yeah no she she, she made a big impact on me um so all right well michelle I, oh. I really appreciate you doing this you, you would prefer if people bought the book on amazon is that the best way yeah i mean that's the best way to go i think is amazon will get to you faster and of course if someone wants to reach out to me directly um they can find it's on facebook as jesse was here author um, and, um, I can do signed copies as well. Very nice. Thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Thanks Scott. Thanks yeah, for having me on. Of course. I want to thank one of today's sponsors in pen from Medtronic diabetes and remind you to go to in to get started 
with that insulin pen that talks to your app and gives you all that information that many people have come to expect from an insulin pump. Thanks also to Dexcom. Don't forget that you may be eligible for a free 10-day trial of the Dexcom G6. Where do you find that out? Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. There's also links at juiceboxpodcast.com and in the show notes of the podcast player you're listening to right now. But you can remember it. Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. And of course, inpentoday.com. And if you're interested in hearing Michelle's first interview with me from 2016, it's called Jesse Was Here, and it's episode 90. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast.